Welcome to Just Be You with your hosts, Coach John McKenna and Father Jason Parzinski. Stay tuned for the next 30 minutes as Coach McKenna and Father Jason discuss how athletics and faith help us to become who God created us to be. And now here are your hosts, Coach John McKenna and Father Jason Parzinski. I'm Father Jason. It's great to be with everyone, and it's in particular a great day because we have... Coach McKenna back in the studio and out on the phone, and it is a terrific day to be here. It really is. Coaches, welcome back to the studio. I have to say I'm, I'm really happy to see you back in the studio. It's, it makes life a lot easier when you're, when you're here in the studio with me versus on the phone. So, When, we're, uh, when I was on the phone, it was hard because I, I couldn't get any facial expressions from you, and I couldn't tell what it was like. When did you want me to jump in or not and everything? And so th- this feels so good to be back. Yeah, it really does. And with that, you know, one of the passages that came to mind when I was thinking about this episode was actually from uh, Galatians 6, 9, which is, So let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. I love that idea of persistence, that persistence and that attitude that we have to have going forward. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we celebrated this past week was the feast day of St. Catherine of Siena. I don't know if you're familiar with her background story, but she's probably one of the most significant women in the history of Christianity. Um, So from the 14th century, from a pretty humble family background, Um, but she saves the church from the Western Schism in the midst of the Black Plague, which of course, you know, as as we're in the middle of a pandemic, um, you know, the Black Plague is something that's on people's minds. Of course, that um, took uh, almost a third of the world population with it. Um, Towns were literally left empty Afterwards, the cathedral in Siena, which I think is really interesting, was never finished being built because the population of the town never grew back because the majority of the town was literally just completely wiped out from the Black Plague. And you know what? And what we're going through now, and and there's a lot of bad, there's a lot of good. I mean, even in my own life, you know, the the good things that have come up, the time that I've got to spend with my wife— I'm going to tell you what I really, really liked, and I never thought I'd want to be a strength coach doing everything over the computer, but um, I was talking to a buddy of mine out in uh, Cincinnati today, and we were talking about how, and, and I think I know my kids pretty well. I think I know them real well. But then through these Zoom calls and these different calls, we've done everything, communicate with them, everything. I've gotten to know my kids a little bit better. You know, the kids I train everything, you know, I've gotten to know them on a personal basis. And that's what I really loved about this. And I think we got to take in any kind of tragedy, we got to find the good in it. Right. We got to find the good in it and say, you know, where can we move forward? Where can we, where can we make this a positive? And I think there's going to be a lot of positives that come out of it, you know. And uh, and I know there's all kind of different ways people are talking about how they handle it, what we should be doing, and everything. You know what? Just do things right and do things, you know, that you care about somebody else. And I think we're all going to be fine. Absolutely. Is that is that way of reframing the situation you find yourself to be able to see an opportunity um, to really make a difference. And I think that's that whole idea that we get from Galatians. And just going back to St. Catherine, because this is one of the things I find that's really unique about her, is, you know, she was a Third Order Dominican um, at the age of 15, really devout religious woman. Uh, But in the midst of the Black Plague, she went out with three confessors, three priest confessors, and went town to town evangelizing people and had these three priests sitting off on the sidelines, hearing people's confessions to bring them back into the fold. I mean, just imagine this, uh, this woman and three priests traveling town to town, 
and just changing the nature and the face of Europe. It's absolutely incredible. But it was in the midst of this great strife. It was in the midst of this fear. It was in the midst of this uh, tremendous loss of life that really uh, impacted everyone because so many people were being uh, decimated by the by the plague of the 14th century. And so how are we using this time, I think, is the question that we need to ask ourselves. St. Catherine's time is the worst moment in recorded human history when it comes to plagues. Um, you know, of course, the situation we find ourselves, especially for those who are directly impacted, is a sad one, is a difficult one. Um, but it is, historically speaking, nowhere in comparison to the Black Plague. Um, but it is still, just like that time period, an opportunity, if we open ourselves up to it, to do something for others. And you know what? It doesn't have to be a big thing. I was talking to a young man the other day, and he was kind of disappointed. You know, his mom wouldn't let him out of the house. He really couldn't do a whole lot. He couldn't get involved in these things, going out and feeding, the, uh, you know, the support services and everything. And he says, I feel like I'm not doing anything. I said, well, come on. I know you too. Well. You've got to be doing something. Well, you know, we have this older couple that live next to us. I've been taking their trash out. I said, well, there you go. You're yeah. doing something. And I think if we all do something, it's a little different than what we've done, uh, what we've done before. And I think it's a good thing. I, I, and I think that's where we need to go as a society. I don't think this is a bad thing. I no. feel sorry. I pray for every day for the people who've Absolutely. lost their lives. Um, but I'll tell you what. I think we're going to come out a better, a better world because of this. And I think, you know, we look at 9-11, look at the way people rallied together. You see the people who are rallying together now. And I think we need this right now in, in our time. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Coach. I think the the things that are coming out of this with the just the refocus on the family, um, you know, which is, is kind of interesting because John Paul II, you know, who, of course, is now a canonized saint in the church, uh, as well as Pope Benedict and, and now even Pope Francis have all put this emphasis on the need to refocus on the family if we're going to be able to move forward um, as a beacon of Christ's light in the world. And I think that's one of the things when we think about their message and that reemphasization of the family being the most important dynamic. And of course, when you look at the covenants in the Old Testament, it's all family oriented. And now this pandemic has, has in a way, brought us to that realization that the family has to be the center. Well, what it done? It had slowed us down. And the other day, I was uh, my uh, grandkids and my uh, my daughter came over, and with all the safe distancing, they went to the other end of the driveway. We took the cars out. They bring their chalk out, and every time they come over, they draw this big rainbow for me, and they're playing and everything. But you know what? It was just nice because we slowed it down. Right. And because there was nothing else to do after that. So that was the big thing. Normally it would be they came over and played a little bit. Oh, I got to go in and do this or I got to get back to work. Well, there wasn't that. And it was so nice. And I just sat there with my wife and I said, the little things you get to watch them do that I'll never. You know what? I'm blessed that I'm still here. I get to see that and everything. But, but it's such a blessing. And I think we've got to start counting our blessings more and more. Absolutely. You know, I don't know if you haven't been out as much Um you know, Not out at all, Father. It's yeah, like no, you, you, you've been, this is a big day really for me, you know. Uh, but I have to tell you, what I found rather interesting was uh, just, you know, I, I'm staying with the bishop out in Point Pleasant, so coming back over this morning uh, to be here in studio, the amount of traffic that's out there today compared to what has been uh, coming to the studio in past weeks is unbelievably different. There's a lot more people out on the road. I think as the weather starts to turn, the quarantine is going to be getting harder and harder for people to to want to follow. And I think before long, what we'll see on the beaches 
because people are going to ignore the quarantine on the beaches. This is New Jersey. It's just not going to work. Um, is that you might see people uh, marking out their six-foot territory on the sand <laughs> as, as their bubble, maybe with a string, you know, roping Come out, out like zone. a big rope and everything. But <laughs> I see today, you know, and, and I got to say, you know, and I, I am not, I will never talk politics with anybody. Maybe you, but that's about it. But I think our governor's done a pretty good job. I said, has, I'll has. tell you what. I always say, you know, when you got the boss, you know, don't criticize the boss unless you want to drive the bus. I wouldn't want to be driving this bus right now. And I believe today he's going to announce that he's going to open up the state parks and there's something else he's going to open up today, which I think yeah. we're starting to make a move. But I think people got to use their head when they say safe distance. I mean, right now we're far enough away from each other. We got to respect that because you know what? Yeah, maybe I don't get sick, but maybe I get somebody else sick. And that's not, I don't want to have that responsibility. So, you know, do the things right. Do the things right, and let's move forward together. And together, we can get through this. Together, we can get through anything. Right, and I think it is that that issue of of being a carrier or a transporter of the virus that's the most concerning aspect of it. I know in conversations with the, with the bishop and with others that I've been talking to, that is the most um, concerning part of this, is that you could have no symptoms and be a carrier, and the last thing you want to do is be the one responsible for spreading the virus to someone's immune system who may not be able to bounce back, and, and they have real issues in light of being in contact with you that put them in the hospital or, or God forbid, something worse. And so, you know, it is important to be responsible. You know, we have no idea. You might be completely asymptomatic, as it's showing, like, I think around 80% of people right. have zero symptoms with this and just carry it. Um, and, that, and that's, I think, the, probably the scariest part about this coronavirus is that you could be completely fine but be passing it to everyone you meet. And then, you know, the people like me, you know, and my wife is very protective of me. You know, I'm, I'm way up there in age and I, and I got a little bit of a heart issue. She, and, you know, I'm one of the people that could, you know, re- really have a problem with this. So she's kept me in. I really bless the good word that we like each other because I, I can't <laughs> imagine being stuck in a house where you didn't like the person you were with. But it's been tough. We've got a lot of projects done. We've got a lot of things done and everything. But I think it's a new way to live. I, 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 think, I don't think we're ever going to go back to the way it was before. I don't see it happening. Yeah, it'll be interesting if the handshake comes back at all. I remember when I was in, uh, in college at Michigan State University, uh, one of the business classes, the professor literally had us going around shaking hands to practice how to properly handshake because a deal could literally die if your handshake is just Oh, we do that with our athletes all the time. Teach them how to shake a hand with a coach coming in. Right. You know, look them in the eye, give them that firm grip. You know, maybe even grab the, you know, the other hand, grab the the arm and everything. Just, you know, to show, you know, what kind of person you are. And, yeah, that's gone. You know, we're yeah. going to maybe you and I got to work on this. Come up with something new and maybe we can get right. it to spread. Yeah, you know? What is, what we'll is the alternative? It. Yeah, what is the alternative to the handshake? But, Coach, I think it's time to take a brief break. And when we come back, we'll we'll have uh, James Erring on with wow, us. Wow, and you are going to be excited. I know you know James and everything. Some of the things he's been doing during this is unbelievable. There was no single event. It was more gradual. My husband was not Catholic, and at the time, I didn't really think that it really mattered which church we went to because we all loved God and we all loved Jesus, and that was the start of my journey out of the Catholic Church, where I remained out of the Catholic Church for over 30 years. When I was outside of the church, there was always an unsettled feeling. There was always a feeling of something missing and something not complete. 
When I um, started to read the Bible, I could see that our Catholic faith is steeped in Scripture. I could see some of the sacraments in Scripture. I could see some of the liturgy in Scripture. I wouldn't be the spouse. I wouldn't be the father. I wouldn't be the person that I am without the church and without the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. I can't live without it. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. We ask people all over America, what have you done for your marriage today? Boy, I gave a huge hug this morning, like a really big squeeze that lasted forever. Great kiss. Those things are really important. <laughs> she got a really short haircut that she hated, and I wrote her a note and put it up on the mirror saying that she was a cute girl with cute hair. What have I done for my marriage today? We've actually organized a date night tonight. What have I done for my marriage today? Wow, that is a great question. Uh, I took the baby while she worked. I got up with the baby while he slept. Yeah. <laughs> today, I sent an email to my husband and I said, you rock. Well, I've done today what I usually do, and that is obey. I listened to my wife uh, when we talked on the telephone today. She really likes it when I listen. What have you done for your marriage today? Little things can make a big difference. For ideas, go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Communication Campaign. James, welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing, Coach? I'm here. Honored, well, really. It's great to have you on, James. Father Jason here. Thank you, Father. Hey, uh, you know, um, I started to brag on you and everything, and, uh, you know, we've only got a short period of time because we could talk about you and some of the things you've done um, at Notre Dame probably for two, three hours. Because, um, and, and you know what I like about the way you do things, James? You do a lot of different things. You do good things. Uh, but you don't do it pumping your chest. You don't say, look at me, look at me, and that's what I love. But what I really would like you to talk about, if you can, is um, – a little bit about the uh, project, the, uh, the Eagle Scout project you just got done, and, you know, some of the things about that, because uh, I have so much respect for you guys that when you become Eagle Scouts. Thank you, Coach. Yeah, I'd love to talk about it. Um, so I, uh, it, it, my journey kind of began as a freshman. I was on the, uh, the track team, and um, obviously uh, until my project, there was no place to sit um, in the throwing areas because I threw for all four years. And uh, as you know, Coach Tehran is one of our coaches, and uh, he's actually a veteran And uh, from playing football. And, and I know he had uh, some issues. Um, he actually has some back problems. And uh, every, every practice, every track meet, he'd have to bring out a chair or something. So I said, why don't I do something special for him at the same time as giving back to the school and the track family and giving back to everybody? And why don't I make benches? So she has a place to sit, and everyone else watching or participating in, in track meets or practices could have a place to sit. So that's kind of where the idea sparked. And then um, went to uh, at the pre president at the time, uh, Miss Ivins, and she, she loved the idea, and that's how it kind of got rolling. And it's unbelievable because you've given back to the school, you've given back to a veteran, you've given back to so many people. I know if I come out there, I'll be sitting on that bench too. Um, and that's just terrific. But that's just one of the many things. Um, being involved in the Catholic Athletes of Christ and everything, mm -hmm. and I know um, 
eventually uh, there it's a tape show so but um I was talking to them and hear about how you're going to be on our our um, great day to be Irish show with the uh, trench warriors because you were part yep. of that group of senior linemen that just were very special this year and uh, talk a little bit about that uh, you know y- your whole season this year about how you guys banded together as a brotherhood yeah definitely um it, it's been a it's been a crazy journey um, for the team but also me personally um, I mean I, I started playing football in eighth grade when I actually uh, tore my knee up pretty bad and had to end up having two surgeries, and I ended up missing that whole season and freshman year. So uh, really, I only played football for three years, my uh, sophomore, junior, and senior year of football, and uh, it really took me a while to get comfortable um, playing again after that injury. So sophomore year for me was kind of just like treading water, you know what I mean? So, yeah, um, I remember. Yeah, yeah. A- after that, um, you know, I, I was so excited to get back into it, but it was it was a very slow progression. So uh, for me, th- playing this year meant so much more than just one season with the guys. You know, it, it was something terrific, and I'll I'll take with me you know to the grave. I'll remember that forever because um, that's something you don't forget. That's something that changes your life really. That those guys on the field, I, I can truly call my brothers because the things we've gone through. Um, since freshman year, like I said, I didn't play freshman year, no matter what, they were always there for me, you know, and I was always there for them. I did everything I could do for them and they did what they could do for me. You know, each, each day I came back from physical therapy, they'd ask me how to go, how to go, you know, and, and the day I told them that I got cleared, you know, it, I think it was January of my freshman year, you know, they were just bouncing off the walls, excited to hear that. And, and we couldn't wait to get the pads back. on. Unfortunately it was in January. So we had to wait till, uh, you know, uh, June, but um, we couldn't wait. And uh, it, it was just amazing to have that, you know, sense of community when I uh, recovered that uh, they were there and helped me get back into the swing of things. And uh, I, I mean, you know, uh, my sophomore year, we didn't have a, a great season, but um, that sophomore into junior year, I mean, so many factors played a role, um, especially, you know, Bible study and just team bonding, the things that we've done to bring us and uh, really on the field. But, you know, as our faith grew, our relationship to each other grew, and just the ability to really work together as a team and a unit flourished. And you could see that. You could really, from on, um, I think it was like 28 to a, almost undefeated. We were eight, eight and one, I think. And, uh, it, it's just amazing. You don't, that doesn't happen instantly. You know, it, it was really amazing. And then the next season, my senior year, um, I mean, we went undefeated in the regular season and became, uh, the first team, in, I think 14 years to, to win a playoff game. And, uh, just to kind of look back from a perspective after the season's ended and see, I mean, I don't think there's a senior in our class who isn't going to college. For, and that's, that's amazing to me, honestly. And um, it, it's really amazing to see how we've all grown, uh, not only individually but together. Um, you can see, like, how, like, Bible study brought us together in, in that aspect. Like, you know, we weren't only working together on the field as, as seniors, but, like, we, we were – leading in, in Bible study and, and, you know, working with each other in the field. So, so we take the leadership on the field and, and 
make it leadership in school, in the classroom, in Bible study, in the community. And it was really amazing. So, like, that, that senior season of football, it wasn't just, you know, being able to start on a undefeated team and, and see, you know, everyone go to college, play football or another sport. It was really leaders develop not only on the field, but energy in the classroom. And I think that's one of the things I really am going to cherish, you know, seeing yeah, James, you know, that's, myself. That's, that's mm-hmm. one of the things that you're touching on right there that, that really does uh, make a difference. And I think that's one of the things that oftentimes when we first start something, we just think we're going to be immediately a pro when we walk on that field um, exactly. or, or whatever the case might be. And uh, we sometimes overlook the fact that it takes a lot of perseverance. It takes a lot of sweat, a lot of energy um, and a willingness <laughs> to grow and a willingness to change our perspective at times in order to be successful, as you were just describing. And that process from sophomore through senior year, it, it was impressive to watch you guys as a team, um, you know, through Coach Lordi, those first two years that you were playing sophomore and junior year, um, and now Coach Clancy, your senior year, uh, and, and the guys that stepped up to the plate over the years coming together, challenging one another, working with one another, as, as you were always doing yourself. That's what makes a team successful, and I think that's one of the remarkable things that I think is is often overlooked because when you go to a stadium to watch a game, you're watching the game in that moment. You, you know the history a little bit, but but you're thinking about, oh, man, this guy did that again, or, or, or look at that play. That was impressive, but there's this whole backstory uh, for the athletes coming together, becoming a team, becoming a brotherhood uh, to be successful. Coach? And I think what, what James, with you especially, you know, we go back and I, I was thinking about this last night is about all the things we did off the field. You know, the Seeger trips, the, the speakers we brought in, the mass on the beach with Father Jason. There's like nine or ten things that we did off the field that I think are, were just as important of what you did on the field. And it brought everybody together. I completely agree with you. You know, I asked before games. And, uh, I mean, just those things like that, it, it brought us together and really made a difference. And, I mean, that's why, you know, at the end of that uh, first playoff win, that's why we ran over to you, Coach, because, you know, you were trying to, you know, playing Seeger and all, all those speakers and Bible studies. That, that's because you and Father Jason, you know, that's why we want to thank you, because without you and, and you know, Father Jason, the rest of the coaching staff, we, we wouldn't be where we are. Well, I'll tell you, uh, James, that was and it will always be one of my uh, special moments that I'll take with me in my heart when you guys all came running over. Because all I want you guys to do is have the best, to have the best of everything, a full life uh, with our faith, uh, with what goes on the field. And I believe we can bring our faith onto the field and still be successful. And you guys showed that. Um, out of all the things we did off the field, James, what would you say was your favorite one? Oh, so many. Um, <laughs> I definitely think Seeger was – such a memorable experience and I honestly wish I could do it again <laughs> because I mean it was my uh the summer of my sophomore year so um or the summer going into sophomore year I believe and um you know as a sophomore you didn't know anybody and uh, I mean fortunately I had a brother who was a senior so I got to know some people in that aspect but um you know it, it was a great to meet new people and try uh introduced the sophomores to the upperclassmen. And as a sophomore, that, that was definitely one of the most memorable moments in my career. But um, 
I mean, the things we did there, you know, I'll remember forever uh, from the workouts, uh, the speakers, and, and just all the, it's something that's definitely. Wait a minute, James, even me waking day. you up at 2 o'clock in the morning and uh, bringing you out and everything, you remember oh, yeah. that? I, yeah, I remember the, the, the air horn. Yep, I remember it all. And you know what? And they're the kind of things and memories you'll have for the rest of your life. And I think that's what's important. You know, I, I, I put that up as one of my favorites. One of my favorites is when we did just went down and did the mass and uh, on the beach. And then you guys went in the ocean and swam. And it was cold. Everybody yep. said they won't go in. And you guys were all going in there and having a blast. And you were bonding and everything. And I loved every minute of it. Yeah, that was also one of my favorites. I mean, how often do you get to have mass on a beach, right? <laughs> No, you don't. Hey, James, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. You don't know how much this means to me and your commitment to the program because um, it starts with one. And if you get one, then you get a second, then you get a third. You guys are a special group, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Coach. And congratulations on the Eagle Scout, James. Thank you very much, Father. And coach, in our final minute or so, just you know, you know, when we think about like what James accomplished and just how he highlighted, I really, I'm really happy that he brought up that process that's involved in developing a team. You know, I think that's really one of those things that the effort that goes in is sometimes overlooked. Well, you know, and again, I, I was thinking about it last night, and I, I was trying to write down all the different things we did off the field with that group. You know, from going down into the dinner with Coach Peterson right. and meet him meeting the team and them listening to that. Um, just all the little the Bible studies, every different little Bible study we did, the Catholic Athletes of Christ groups, the little projects we did together, the Seagirt, the, uh, I, I think we did three Seagirt trips. The one big one, and then we did, you know, one where we just went down and trained for the day, and that's the day you did the mass and everything. And we had a blast, but you know what? You could watch that group coming together, coming together coming together. And how I could tell is you watch them then all of a sudden in the halls, they, they were with each other all the time and your groups grew and everything. And I think, and on the field, they became that brotherhood and that's the teams that win. The teams that are willing to pray together, teams that are willing to uh, share their good times, bad times together. They're the teams that are going to do well on the field. And I think that's one of the things that Catholic athletes really is a tremendous blessing to our, our school athletic programs is that it's the realization that it's all those pieces off the field that make the biggest difference because it was all those pieces that you just mentioned that made it possible for them to be 22nd in the state this year, which is a a record for Notre Dame. It is, and and nobody um, deserves it better than this group because they bought into the total commitment. And, Coach, do you have a challenge for us this week? Yes. Find a neighbor. Find somebody. Take care of them. Make a difference in their lives. Because that's what we were put on this earth for, to make a difference. Have a great day. And until next time, God bless. We'd walk to church on Sunday morning, race barefoot back to Johnson's Fence. That's where I first saw Mary, on that roadside picking blackberries. That summer I turned.